There is a fifth dimension. A dimension of sound. Damn it, Frank! We tell him to be quiet. I spill my hot cup of Uranus again. A dimension of sight. Hey, Arch. I'm gonna sock you in the puss. A dimension of mind. Nan Adams, is that you? Ah! Ah! Next stop, the Twilight Zone. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Fifth Dimension uh, Twilight Zone podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Are we in black and white? This doesn't seem right. I'm now rhyming and whatever. Let's go to color. <laughs> <laughs> what the Sorry, hell, man? Gentlemen. I'm actually white. I know. I just <laughs> Imagine that. I'm still bald. <laughs> Imagine that. I still don't have legs. Uh, I know, right? And you still love your anus. I try. I don't All know right, if it right. loves me back, though. <laughs> Oh, mine, shit. mine loves you and there's enough love here for everybody <laughs> uh no uh happy halloween guys it is officially um as of october 14th now officially halloween because <laughs> uh, this video is posting on halloween and uh yeah so i hope you guys have gotten a lot of candy and are very sick and having uh, nightmares from your your, your candy and you know crushing pumpkins and Doing whatever you do on Halloween, sexy time, all that good stuff, and cat costumes. You know, oh, you know how this works. Today, you might notice this is a little bit different video uh, for the fifth dimension, and there's a reason for that. I want to get into it, uh, but before we do that, we are in audio feeds. We are on, you know, all kinds of cool stuff like Anchor and Audio Boom and Anus and uh, guys punching bags and you know <laughs> iTunes and SoundCloud. <laughs> Uh, and uh Harry Styles sitting on people. Yeah, we're on your anus. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, I also have my co-host here, which of course include Jacob from Jacob Andrews Reviews, and of course Trip from Trivial Theater. How the hell are you guys? What's up? Pimping, pimping, yeah, in color, mm-hmm. pimping in color. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're 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 here. We're all doing good. Um. As you know, the last episode was, of course, Bongo. Um, that was an interesting episode to edit, just to let you know. Uh, it was I'm very, sure. yeah, he, Bongo is, <laughs> Bongo is a character. I hope you guys enjoyed it. At least I hope the views enjoyed it very much. We'll see. Um, but no, um, the reason we're doing this video is I am moving here soon. Um, by the time you probably watch this video, I've already moved and more episodes have come out. But um, I am going to be taking a little break from my channel. So what I wanted to do was because Bongo was the last episode, I felt like that's a cool place to end it till we can get back into the normal stride of things. But I also wanted to do a Halloween episode and talk a little bit different, something a little bit different. And uh, I was like, you know, would you guys be interested in, uh, you know, talking like Outer Limits or, you know, whatever nonsense that uh, UA Bowl or Tommy Wiseau put out. And they said uh, <laughs> they looked up in the they looked up in the sky and said no. So that was definitely uh, a vetoed. And uh, yeah, so they're like, you know, what we could do. And I'm like, what? They're like, uh, we could just do nothing. And I'm like, no, we're not doing that. And uh, so as I as I get to the real reason why we're doing this, um, yeah, I was like, hey, you want to do a segment from the Twilight Zone movie? Because we were talking about doing it during Christmas, having someone from e- from different channels doing it in each episode. This is like before Jacob came on, because I wanted to do it like a really cool thing to take a month off and have these videos. And then Jacob became a host, and that kind of fell through the through the floor. And I uh, everything yeah, up. 
<laughs> yes, yes, We're glad that Jacob. you do, man. Fuck the dollar. Yeah. <laughs> what I do. I know, right? Right. You make it better because you do fuck it up. That's what she said. I hope so. <laughs> no, um, but in all honesty, I felt like stopping at where the bongo episode and taking, you know, I'm gonna be taking a break for hopefully not longer than a month or two. Um, and just doing a segment from the Twilight Zone movie. We all decided on which particular segment, which you've seen in the the title card for this. Um, it's one that people may not remember from the Twilight Zone movie very well, but it, I think it's one of the underrated uh portions of it, to be fairly honest, really? especially when you get you don't think I it's underrated? Some, I thought it was one of the more popular ones from the movie. Agreed. I thought. I thought it really? was like the, I the know, most man. popular I, one from the movie. I hear people talking more about the, the Joe Dante one, the one with the, the kid and, you know. I mean, that's my favorite. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah but I just always thought that just like the the signature uh, segment. I, I mean, I yeah, know, this one is probably I? the closest to the Twilight Zone episode that it's attached to. And it's it? possible. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's the least controversial. I can tell you that much. <laughs> so. Well, considering yeah. the most controversial one, that's not that far of a leap. I mean, <laughs> you could like kill people. And there are decapitations in that one. Okay. Yes, so. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and um, there's other things like uh, racism and decapitations. And uh, it's the Twilight Zone, people. It's the 80s. What were you <laughs> expecting? That I mean, first everything has is corpus, the Twilight Zone. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. legit. But no, uh, so if you if you don't know, yes, they did a Twilight Zone movie. Yes, people like John Landis and Spielberg and Dante, Joe Dante and George Miller did direct the, the episodes. Yes, it is a uh, anthology movie. Yes, it is a anthology movie with retellings of stories that were told in the TV series that you know was produced by Rod Serling. And um you know, it is the Twilight Zone movie. Twilight Zone, the movie. It's a an interesting beast, uh, to say the least. And um, it's, you know what uh, else it has? You know what else it has? No. You know what, what else it has? What? It has credence. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. In the midnight special, I just gotta, I just gotta claim of taking down my channel. <laughs> Oh man, Creed. I don't think you have anything to worry about. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, probably not. Yeah, yeah. So Creed is clear. Uh, Creed CCR, as they're called. Uh, yes, there is a main song in this uh, movie. It is played at the very beginning, but we'll talk about that. This is uh, this is an interesting thing because it not only does it take stories that have been told through Rod Sterling, Rod Sterling's uh, famous show, but it adds a lot of people who were very inspired by uh, Rod Sterling. It has a lot of famous talent, actors, actresses, story, screenplay writers, story writers. A cartoon produ- dragon. Yeah, cartoon dragons. Uh, it's produced by, of course, Spielberg and Landis and, you know, uh, Frank Marshall and you know, everybody's favorite, Kathleen Kennedy. Um, it's, you know, edited I mean, by... Kathleen like, Kennedy, she did some shit back then, oh, man. Yeah, People talk she shit was... about her now, but she was like a powerhouse back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. She, I mean, she's she, she's the uh, most famous producer of all time. That yeah, is not her husband, attached, Frank Marshall. She was attached to some huge, huge things. She was on everything, <laughs> all the big stuff. Yeah. So I mean, you know, we got to give her that. No, and yeah, she got definitely. in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and um, at this point, she knew she fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But you have like people like uh, Alan uh, Davio, who is a famous cinematographer who worked uh, with Steven Spielberg. 
Um, you have people like John Hora, you have people like Michael Kahn, who is Spielberg's uh, editor. And one of the, the, the most important, one of the most important people to work on this project is of course, Jerry Goldsmith, who of course worked with Rod Serling on the TV show and also worked, you know, with George, uh, with, uh, Joe Dante and Gremlins. So there is very much a, you know, theme in this series that of course plays out through the entire movie looking from it from a, you know, I'm sure it's been a while since most of us have seen this. I mean, I have I've seen it quite a bit, and we've all seen it because we're actually alive when this came out. At least I think we're all we we're all born already born by the time this movie came out. Let me let me ask let me ask, starting out asking you this question: like, um, what do you think about the Twilight Zone, the movie? Like, not even about the episodes, just about it in, as a whole. Like, with knowing the fact that it's based off the segments that Rod certainly did for his show, at least most of it is. With this level of talent and this type of movie that was made, what do you guys think of this overall movie as a whole, just in general? Just kind of curious of what you guys thought of it. You know, even with all the controversies and stuff like that, you know, us talking about Twilight Zone, talking about how exciting the idea of, like, you know, what Rod certainly was doing. How did you guys think it was, like, on a, you know, like, as a whole? Are we talking like when we first saw it or like no just in general like you know we I know we've all seen this like several times so like what do you think as you know as as a as a Twilight Zone product as a movie as a homage to Rod Serling all that good stuff what do you guys think when I watch this just as like you know caught it on sci-fi or whatever honestly I can't say that I I, I enjoyed it but I didn't. Hmm enjoy it a ton just because i had seen all the all the episodes and it's like i've seen this done you know it's been done better in the actual episodes by rod serling in the 60s and i don't mean to sound harsh because they did their own thing it was homage you know they all brought their own spin to stuff once i got into the actual like meat and potatoes of what happened behind the scenes and all the talent behind it and the people that Mm -hmm. put their love and stuff into it i gained a lot more affection for it so it's been a while since I've seen the full movie. I mean, today I just watched the segment we're going to be talking about. Yeah. And the uh, the the opening. I remember really liking the movie and I remember pretty vividly because I've seen it quite a few times. And uh, I do recall not, I guess, like the first two, because I think the first two are the one, the, the most controversial one about the guy with. The yeah. Kids and all that. Yeah. That was one of my least favorites. I remember that. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was just kind of like, okay, this is one I just got to get through to get to the ones I like. The two that I like the most are the one that we watched today and also the one with the little kid. I think we said Joe Dante did that one. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the Spielberg one, I recall not really caring for that one much either. It's so if you watch it today, it's so fucking boring. It, it really yeah, is. Yeah, it's... I'm not a huge fan of that segment. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Kick the Can in general, but yeah, it's it's real tedious. It has Catman Crothers in it. How do you make Catman Crothers boring? Well, he wasn't in it enough. That's a problem. Yeah, he got killed by Jack Torrance. Why do you? What? Well, <laughs> but uh, not in the book. But anyway, um, right? He, he uh, it, it, I didn't like. So I guess I liked like half the movie, and the mm-hmm. other half I was just kind of like, yeah, it's fine. I like the little parts that interconnect. I thought I I was under the impression also it's I guess it's been longer than I thought since I saw this movie because the whole um Albert Brooks Stan Aykroyd part I really thought mm. that went throughout the film I remember yeah. it being like inner like in between each episode we saw them talking or something kind of like a uh what was it Tales from the Dark Side kind of thing ah. 
But no, it just all happened. I thought the the thing that happens that Dan Aykroyd does was towards the end of the movie, but I guess it was all there in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I also, yeah. I also have a question, segment. and I don't know if this is Mandela effect or if I'm if I'm not sure. I remember Ooh. watching the controversial like segment, but it having the chopper crash in it. Was there ever a version that had the chopper crash as part of it? No, they because yeah. it was they were actually supposed to hell. Uh, for what I remember and reading about, they it was supposed to be that segment. And there was supposed to be this whole big segment that was supposed to end the movie with either him going back to Vietnam or having a Vietnam. It was a segment of something of that nature where he was going to be stuck there, and because of everything that happened, it ended with him on the train uh, at the end of the episode. It's something of that nature. It was supposed to be something that was more fleshed out. That's why when you watch the episode or watch the segment, it's really weirdly jarring how quickly it just kind of ends. It's because right. they they lost that whole segment with the two kids. The, like that whole segment was supposed to be one big portion of the, uh, it was like supposed to add like a couple more minutes into the movie. And right. yeah, it was taken out. Yeah, of course, because of, you don't want to be, so, you don't want to see kids getting their heads chopped. No, off no. Life. Yeah, well, and, so. and it was, it was like from a distance, like you saw all this. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, and maybe I, Maybe mm. it was like watching the the footage that they, you know, that mm-hmm. you see on YouTube and maybe somehow I connected the two, but I've like yeah. severe Mandela effect where I've seen that as part of the movie. I think maybe it's because we've read about it so much. Possibly. And yeah. We've seen behind the scenes stuff and all that. It's kind of like our brains filled in the gap and it's almost as mm. if we've seen it ourselves. And so, you know, I could see that. I don't yeah. recall it ever actually seeing it though. I can't think they'd um, put it out. Been, I mean, that would be crazy. I, I've always yeah, known they, about it because I remember my mom telling me about it when it, when the movie first came out and I first saw it. I remember her telling me that you know some people died uh, while they were making that part. Yeah, I mean they have they have footage like of the actual accident, but you don't really you just see like the the helicopter crash on. The, I've seen the kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that. You see him like carrying it or like running with it, like like this. Yeah and yeah it's 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 real grainy it's not like it's, it's behind no. the scene cameras yeah yeah it's not like gruesome or anything i no. think it actually made its debut on like faces of death or something like that if i remember right wouldn't be surprised yeah um one um, other kind of fun trivia thing for like the way that things were supposed to be versus the way that they are so at mm-hmm. the end the way that it ends there's a ambulance that drives off into the distance and in the initial the script it was supposed to be characters from each one of the stories was supposed to interact with that ambulance as it drove away in some yeah. way, shape, or form, but it didn't end up happening. So obvious for obvious been, reasons. That would have been interesting. I, I actually want to read that. It's really interesting that um the, when I watched this as a as a kid, I remember the the um the kid segment freaking me out. But if you mm-hmm. go back and watch it. Joe Dante is very inspired by wacky comedies and Looney Tunes, and it's very much yeah. a Looney Tunes movie. Oh, it is. Respects. Well, that's what yeah, it's yeah, supposed and... to be because he's yeah. he's uh, projecting this. I mean, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that one eventually, but he's that's like his twisted version of like Looney Tunes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. This well, and it's yeah. cool because the um what happens in the fore like what happens in the foreground, like the cartoon in the background the kind of reflects yeah. it. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's uh, very. Must have watched it today. <laughs> No, I I watched the entire thing just to uh, get. I know I, I I know it I know it by heart. I've seen it so many. I've seen this movie like probably forty yeah. times wow. in my life. I've seen so, it a yeah. ton too. I look. I remember a lot of it vividly, but it, clearly I just remember it out of order or something. Because mm-hmm. I thought the one we're watching today was before that other one, and <laughs> there was the ambulance. I mean, 
<laughs> but I remember all the parts of it. I just remember. Yeah. Um, I it's actually four stories, right? Yep. Yeah. Not yeah. including it's like, yeah, wraparound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's the kick the can. Um, the controversial one. Sorry, the, the controversial one. Kick the can. The um, the wishing Joe Dante the, kid one. The Joe Dante kid one, and then the airplane one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good life, is what it is. Um, is I it? really like. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. That actually has uh Kathleen Quinlan in it, which I ah. and uh, of course Kevin McCarthy, Mister Walter Jameson himself. So, um, oh, that's right, he is in it. Yeah, we're talking about that. That's the one I wanted to talk about. We're gonna <laughs> we're talking about that one more than the one we're we're supposed to be getting into. And I didn't watch um, that one. I, I have to read this because it's pretty it's pretty funny. Um, Roger Ebert. Did, of course did a review for this and he said he rated each segment individually awarding them on a scale of four stars two for the prologue he gave two for the prologue prologue in his first segment one and a half for the second three and a half stars for the the or uh yeah yeah the two segment of the prologue he gave two stars one and a half for the second one three and a half stars for the third and three and a half for the final ebert noted that the surprising thing is the two superstar directors uh landis and spielberg are thoroughly routed uh routed or routed by two less by, they're too <laughs> thoroughly routed by two lesser known directors whose previous credits have been horror and action pictures spielberg who nice. produced the whole picture perhaps sensed that he and landis had the weakest results since he assembled the series stories in ascending order of excitement twilight zone starts slow almost grinds to a halt and then has a fast comeback um i like the i like the idea of two lesser known directors who are actually you know uh, Joe Dante and George Miller and George Miller of <laughs> yeah. course had like one of the greatest action films well, of like the last 20 years so oh yeah but that's how you got to think this was 83 so Dante no had, I know hey he hadn't even done Gremlin he was doing Gremlins <laughs> right then I think mm-hmm. Gremlins came out in 84 right yeah so he hadn't done Joe Dante wasn't anybody yet and uh I think maybe George he had, done, had Mad Max he had Mad Max and maybe by 83 had he done Road Warrior Mad Max 2 um, I think so. Yeah, Road Warrior came out in eighty two. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I thought it was eighty two. So yeah, he had done those two, but those were big in uh, Mad Max was big in uh, Australia, right? And it came over here and was big for uh, import, but it wasn't mm-hmm. until Road Warrior that it really blew up. So that was like literally right around the same time as this movie. So he wasn't really big, huge then. Yeah, this now is his we third. Think about that What's right. That? This is this is his third overall thing he ever did. Oh wow! Film, so and then of course he went on to do Witches of Eastwick and Lorenzo's <laughs> Oil. Yeah, but yeah, okay. So, Fury Road. What's up? Yeah, yeah. Turner's Thunderdome. <laughs> I'll never get beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> we we are going to do something different today. We're not going to talk about the whole movie. I I like, like I said that would take us like three hours to do the whole movie because there's a lot of a lot of movie. It's an hour and forty minutes long. Um, it was a commercial success. It only cost $10 million to make, which is pretty impressive, even though it was 1983, uh, because Star Wars cost $10 million. So the budget is very small for a Twilight Zone movie, which is what they were able to kind of milk out of that $10 million budget with the cast and crew. It makes me wonder they probably. VHS. <laughs> yeah, they should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm guessing they, uh, a lot of these directors and writers, they took back end points, uh, which is, you know, when the movie makes money, they'll they'll make money instead of like you know their director salaries and stuff. Because at this point, John John Landis is a hugely famous director. Steven Spielberg is a 
hugely famous director at this point. Joe Dante and George Miller are early directors that are going to be famous in their own right. Up and coming. Yeah, up and coming. Um, and did the movie it didn't do well though, did it? Uh, I made forty two million dollars for nineteen eighty three, so that's probably so close quadrupled. to hundred. Yeah, it yeah, quadrupled its budget, so that's something. It, 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 it was yeah. profitable. Yeah, and I'm sure the marketing, you know, is very lesser compared to like the billions of dollars they put into each movie today. But um, well, it had an established name behind it too. So yeah, well, they yeah, also exactly. lost a lot of money on that whole lawsuit <laughs> thing with the. Mm-hmm. The oh, kids yeah. and the families and all that. So that was a shit yeah. show. They all they're talking about jail time at one point in time. Oh yeah, he was acquitted. Yeah, it was he almost went to jail. Um wow. but um of course I, I think I think there's something to story about Spielberg gave his like his money to like a, a charity or something like that because he didn't want anything. and then of course he broke his relationship with uh uh John Landis because they were good friends. And of course he was in Beverly Hills Cop Three and stuff like that, but um Today, we're actually going to, um, because the prologue kind of interjects into the very end of the movie with the last segment we're going to talk about, um, I wanted to just talk about the prologue. And I, I have to ask you guys going in, you know, this prologue is set up pretty nicely with, you know, Dan Aykroyd and Albert Brooks, who are, they're not given a name. They're just driving down a road and they're having, you know, what two people on a road trip in 1980s would do is just listen to music until the tape deck explodes and <laughs> the tape and they start talking to one another. And um, I know me personally, because I was only like less than a year old when this came out, do you, you do either of you remember stuff like this fondly, like sitting in the car or just listening to tapes and like what what like did this bring up nostalgia for you or do you were you guys you know just dude, in general what do you guys think dude i remember <laughs> I, I remember eight tracks in cars okay <laughs> <laughs> it's early days but yeah hell yeah i remember tape my, my first car had a tape deck i had tapes um yeah i remember riding in the car and that was my childhood listening to tapes or the radio but yeah you know, Oh, yeah, tapes and the, the motherfuckers would get ate up. They didn't spit the tape out like in this movie, but you know, I guess that was just for a visual flair. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I if you live I love the, how... the, the age of tapes, then you know about tapes getting eaten. It is what it is. It <laughs> yeah. You had to I, try I love... and reel them back in yep. with a pin. Yep. <laughs> I love how this is the Twilight Zone and the tape gets eaten, but the radio doesn't work. It's like, wait, what? Well the radio doesn't work yeah. because there was no reception out there. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. I keep forgetting no their satellite now. Yeah, no entertainment. <laughs> yeah, there was no serious XM. Need to find the Titty Twister bar at the uh Mexico America yeah. border. Right, right. Or um, just over the border. Well, I mean, what about you, Trip? Did it, you know, seem like you know, because you come from a time like that? You know, like I said, I didn't. It's not like <laughs> I didn't grow up from that time, you but old like, lady. Yeah, I'm so ancient. You old lady, you come from a no, time. It, we had we had you, record you know players, I mean. and we had a record player in my car, and we had to crank oh it. <laughs> I mean, hey, that was a want... thing. That's a thing. There I'm sure it was from further back than this. Further, well, back I would yeah, hope yeah. so. <laughs> there were cars that had little record players in the uh, in the consoles. Oh, Not a lot awesome. of them. I mean, yeah. think about you hit a yeah. bump in the road, it skips. But yeah, it was a thing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, yeah, I mean, a group in an era of tapes and Mm -hmm. I, I never, you know, turned off, was old enough to turn off the lights and, you know, drive down a black highway and, you know, all that. But yeah, my sister did this shit to me. Nice. (laughs) Like six rocks on the road. (laughs) I mean, this wasn't the the fucking lights off while we were driving (laughs) to scare the shit out of me. This (laughs) wasn't necessarily. probe. (laughs) 
this wasn't necessarily like i mean i i can i can relate to this but i can't really like go yes mm-hmm. you know great nostalgia from i it just didn't you know you know the yeah. conversations I mean, yeah the rest but I, the, i'm pretty yeah. sure you weren't a you know a 30 something male in a car with another 30 something male talking about not that i remember <laughs> yeah we don't know we don't i mean know. i am kind of timeless but you know i, I don't right think... right it was back when you you know you didn't have a phone to look at yeah and you had to just like talk and like interact with people i know that's a crazy foreign thing nowadays <laughs> but people actually spoke face to face back then like when you um, had downtime, instead of looking down at this electronic device and reading nonsense, you actually interacted with people around you. Fucking yeah. insanity. What the hell's wrong? And, and I don't know about you guys, but do you get the impression that these guys are one of them a hitchhiker and one of them's not? Like, yeah, that's what I was like, going to ask next. It, or it doesn't make like, any sense. Yeah. Or one of those situations where they like uh, put like the ad in saying, hey, I'm driving cross country and somebody else is looking for a ride. You know, they used to do that. They used to yeah. do that kind of thing. Like you'd look in the personal ads and I'm driving to so-and-so and somebody would ride with them mm-hmm. and stuff like that back then. Now it's called Uber, but um, <laughs> <laughs> they used to do that back then. And that's how you end up with the beginning of a fucking horror movie. Yes. I know, right? Some damn good ones too. Not to kind of spoil it, but like there is two of the most disturbing moments of my childhood are this and Wee herman's big adventure and you know what i'm seeing <laughs> i'm talking about so large march, uh, tell yeah. large march such a um but uh, but this segment's like really it's basic it's pretty basic it's two guys driving down the road they're listening to tape creating a ccr and of course you know the tape gets destroyed and they start they start singing off like you know obscure now obscure like um, ba, 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 show. Ba, ba. it's Hawaii Five O by the way. Exactly. That was the one that they bones. didn't. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, I like how he starts. Like how he starts singing making like, up words. words. <laughs> there were never that words to it. Over but... there. <laughs> um, but I, I, I gotta ask you guys. You know, of course, Dan Aykroyd is a pretty famous comedian at this point. Albert Brooks is a, also a pretty famous comedian. You know, having these two start out the movie, knowing who they are at this point in their career, what do you guys think of this? Like, not really getting into like the moment where it feels like the Twilight Zone, but it's just two guys driving down the road. You know, famous people talking. Mm-hmm. Like, did you get a sense of like, you know, that this was cool? What did you guys think overall? Like having those two start out this movie you know it was you didn't quite know where it was going you know no. you assumed you assumed something humorous and not necessarily like and even though it you knew it was twilight zone i didn't necessarily think that it was going to be like i guess jump scary yeah yeah like mm-hmm. let me ask let me ask you that for, real quick do you think it deters from like what the twilight zone is or do you it, it feels more like horror than like a Twilight Zone segment, I guess you could say. I think it, I think it plays into the trope that the Twilight Zone is horror because he even mm-hmm. says, "Man, those episodes, of Twilight Zone, they used to freak me out." And they they really play into the horror aspect of it when yeah. he's talking about the Twilight Zone. So I think it does actually play into that trope, not trope, but that uh, belief that the Twilight Zone is a lot of horror when it's really mm-hmm. not. No. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit, but there's there's less horror there's there's more sci-fi and just you know ironic coincidences than than or or ironic twists of fate than than horror in the twilight zone but it, it it's song especially at this point when the movie came out in the 80s and the 90s whenever like that that's the dee nee 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 song and everything 
that all kind of signified like this oh weird horror kind of thing we didn't it's just as we've learned or i've learned while watching the show it's just it's not that this always gives me like this open feels very much more like tales from the crypt or creep show than it does twilight tales Zone. from the dark side or something tales from the yeah, yeah. Tales yeah. from the dark side you know it's got that because he turns around and all of a sudden he's a monster there's no there's no subtlety and that's that's what the twilight zone for yeah. the most part is i liked it, it i'm with you i liked it but it wasn't very mm-hmm. twilight zone no definitely not yeah I, I should I... horror in your face and twilight zone was never really bad i suppose it was the right. 80s and they were going i mean everything being that it's a movie they kind of gotta amp it up a bit well that that's the thing like the 80s twilight zone did like uh delve into more horror because like i i always bring up this segment or this episode this segment of the twilight zone 80s series like it's called grandma or something like that it's like pure horror it's like it's actually quite scary for you know what it is but i think that's what to me personally what this represents is what the the transitioning of like what sci-fi and horror was doing in the 80s and you know 70s and stuff like that it was way different than what the 50s and you know the 40s and 50s dealt with like monster creature effects or yeah 50s and 60s i'm sorry deal with like creature paranoia movies and yeah, yeah paranoia this is yeah the 80s and 80s were like you know body horror and stuff like that and creature you know, peewee's big yeah, yeah peewee's big adventures and stuff like that you know with large marge and back um, then the horror the horror was more played it played into an actual true fear that people had of like yeah you know, the ruskies and oh we're going to be attacked and taken over or something <laughs> like that and there's lots of paranoia in the twilight zone <clears throat> yeah yeah and um uh like i said it is directed by john landis it, he did the first two segments the prologue and the, the last segment or the first segment and uh it basically concludes with like you know dan Aykroyd just out of the blue goes hey you want to see something really scary and uh he's like sure you know scare me because you know i've already tried to scare you and it didn't work and so he pulls over, which you should never do, you know, or if you pull over, you should just run away because, you know, you're going to be consumed by a monster. And, um, you know, Dan Aykroyd goes into the shadows for like a second. He's like doing this, like and he like <laughs> turns around and then he has like <laughs> what, what was actually very scary as a kid. It looks really cheesy now, but he becomes a creature and just, you know, eats Albert Brooks. <laughs> he just kills Albert Brooks. And then does we... he eat him? Because he like Is grabs it... him and starts choking him and going, Ah, and he kind of looks like he might go ah, or and then it cuts, but he's just kind of like one ah. And Albert Brooks is like ah. <laughs> well, if you if you listen to the headphones, I don't know if you're listening with headphones, but you can hear like sounds of like sounds like somebody's being eaten. Uh, so okay. yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that might be that yeah, yeah, like a all the Gummy fully work that's going on. Yeah, yeah, um, but. This ASMR into, channel coming soon. <laughs> yeah, the Twilight Zone ASMR channel. Um, but of course, this leads into the very what we call Superman esque '80s uh, intro for the Twilight Zone. And as Trip pointed out, I think before we were recording, if you look at the eyeball, you can actually see a couple, a couple, a uh, couple clips of uh, Rod Serling smiling, doing his thing. So, and um, the famous, uh, you know, Burgess Meredith does the voiceover work for uh, Rod Serling in this, and uh, he is a uh, quite. Uh, it's quite, uh, quite good because Burgess Meredith is a, a really good actor. So, and of course, he was in like four different episodes of The Twilight Zone. But did you guys like the opening thing, or do you are you too close to the the chest or vest or with the original? Like, what did you guys think of this like kind of updated opening? The intro itself. 
Um, yeah, yeah, the Burgess. Yeah. I, I, so I have two minds of it, like where you have the practical stuff, like the the eye and the the window and the and the door. It was great, but then you get like the wooden like artist doll that mm-hmm. kind of floated through in the original. They've got like a wireframe like computer generated model, and then they got E equals MC squared coming through as a Superman s graphic. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, I know that they're trying to they're probably trying to cross multiple generations with that yeah i don't understand why they did burgess meredith for that part like the the individual intros to each one i get that because you know sterling wasn't around but why did they get burgess meredith because that he all he was doing was saying rod serling's right wasn't it more or less word for word what rod serling says on the show every Mostly. week yeah yeah i think, I think it's season four or five because they use sterling in the reasons. end yeah, but they use Serling in the end. Why not use him in the beginning too? For that, I, I think. I mean, me myself, Rod Serling is you know synonymous with the Twilight Zone, so mm-hmm. I I don't understand why they didn't use Hot Rod for that one too. Yeah, I think it <laughs> had to do. <laughs> All right. Um, I think it had to do with like because Burgess is so so beloved in the Twilight Zone <laughs> lore that they made they thought it because I think Trib brought the point. I think he did do the narration for the eighties, the eighties version. So that might oh, be did why. He? Okay. I, I mean, I know I he like... did like 27 original episodes. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would also yeah, add like that I'm I'm assuming because like like with the individual story in betweens, if it if you just had him do those, they'd kind of look at it and go, "Why is he voicing these?" I, you know, like you kind of have to build it into that. So that might have been I why guess. they put him at the open. That that would be my guess to give some uh, precedence should... for you know. Why there wasn't a sudden voice change, even though that's what happens in the end when he goes to Rod Serling. But I guess people know, hey, that's Rod Serling. Burgess Meredith was Burgess Meredith was an ancient elf in Santa Claus the movie. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. Um, He's also the penguin. uh, He is. He is the penguin Penguin. indeed. Penguin. I, I think he. uh, I think he was um, um, still looking for his his glasses in that. <laughs> I'll use the magic too. Interesting. Um, anyways, uh, so yeah, so that is the opening kind of portion of the episode. And like I said, the reason I wouldn't have talked about it if it didn't kind of interject with the ending of the actual movie, which actually we'll talk about the you know, the last segment. And like I said, it's not that I didn't want to talk about the other segments, but we kind of decided just you know to do the one segment just to, so this isn't a three hour podcast. Mm-hmm. But um anyway, so with that's yeah, probably <laughs> until I edit it all out. So segment four is the last segment of the um, series, and it transitions pretty quickly, pretty easily from the the Joe Dante episode segment to this one. Um, this is an episode that is directed by George Miller. Uh, it is based off the script or written by Richard. It said written by Richard Matheson, but I'm assuming it's based off like the story the that he did. Yeah, yeah, because this is also based off the the famous uh, William Shatner episode, which we'll talk about in about six years from now. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it's like season five, I think, is the episode. If I remember right, really, three yeah. or that far, yeah, it's, exactly. yeah, yeah it's, so there is that also one's... a movie that's terror at thirty five thousand feet. Is there? It was yeah. the same premise. Yeah. Well, uh, it's more so like it's got Shatner in it and everything. No, I'm sorry, the hor- it was horror at thirty five thousand feet. And they have William really? Shatner in it. Yeah. I didn't know wow. that. I picked it up as a DVD. I, I don't know much about it, but I picked it up as a DVD when I started my channel because it yeah, looked interesting. Yeah, because 
I know that I know the the reboot that uh, uh, what's his face uh, Jordan Peele did. He did one with Adam Scott, which I love Adam Scott. He's really good in like Severance and stuff like that. But I don't know if you guys watched that episode. It's really bad. <laughs> it's terrible. It's I haven't like, watched any of the new ones. Oh, uh, he plays a he plays a podcast host, and like I'm not gonna spoil for oh, you, yeah. but the ending is it's bad. It like it doesn't make any sense. But this ep- this this segment, of course, has been parodied by you know the Simpsons and stuff like that. You know, with the the Bart Simpson episode, which has one of my favorite jokes uh, with uh, Molman about the gremlin. So if you if you know it, you know it. But um, <laughs> um. What I'll do is, as we always do, I'll let Jacob read like the two two line dialogue, the two line opening narration. It's pretty quick, but it starts out the the segment. Real real yeah. quick, real quick. The uh, so the no. horror at thirty seven thousand feet. It's a seventy three uh-huh. American horror television film that stars uh, Betty Epstein or Buddy Epstein, uh, William Shatner, and Paul Winfield. It features hapless passengers and crew plagued by demon- demonic forces. From within the baggage hold. So this is like mm-hmm. a uh what is that James Bond movie that wasn't actually a James Bond movie situation? Is that Casino Royale or Casino Royale? No, mm-hmm. no. I don't know which one no. you're talking about. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, I remember which one you're talking about. So anyways, yeah, go ahead and read that narration. Let's see, uh this is Burgess Burgess Meredith. Let's see. What's a good Burgess Meredith voice? Rocky. <laughs> I mean, of course, I was hoping my, my throat's hurting a bit, so I don't know if I want to do that. What you're looking at could be the end of a particularly terrifying nightmare. It isn't. It's the beginning, you bum. Introducing <laughs> Mr. John Valentine, air traveler. His destination, the Twilight Zone, you bum. <laughs> I mean, we can go with that. Like the softer Burgess, where he's like, oh, yeah. What you're looking at could be the end of a particular terrifying nightmare. It isn't. It's the beginning. <sighs> Introducing Mr. John Valentine, air traveler. His destination, the Twilight Zone. <laughs> you do it as uh, him from Dingle the Strong. Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> one, one fun thing based on your what you're look what you're looking at here. <laughs> <laughs> if you want kind of a fun thing on this especially based off of that first read you did so um uh in the original twilight zone episode uh william shatner's character was called john wilson or sorry robert wilson in the movie john lithgow's character is named john valentine it's a reference to ray valentine of a nice place to visit episode where he only realizes he's in hell at the very end so it's kind of implied that John Valentine might also be in hell. I mean, he uh, sure feels like it in this episode. Like yeah, how much yeah. he's sweating. Uh, yeah. Sweating profusely. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, this episode is, of course, like I said, directed by George Miller. It stars, uh, oh, that's, that's not the right episode. Uh, it's, it's, it stars, of course, John Lithgow, <laughs> famous actor. I was looking at Scatman Crothers. I'm like, I don't remember him being in this segment. Um <laughs> It starts John Lithgow as John Valentine, Abby Lane as senior flight attendant, Donna Dixon as junior flight attendant, John Dennis Johnson as co-pilot. Yes, I said Johnson. 
Charles Knapp is in this. Christina Nigra, who plays a uh, little girl, she's uh, pretty well known for like Cloak and Dagger. Uh, who's the heavy set guy? The Sky Marshal. Oh, Sky Marshal's Charles Knapp. That's where I remember him. Um, and uh, yes, yes, there is a guy in a suit named Larry Cedar who plays the Gremlin. Uh, so yes, um, Howard Johnson is right. <laughs> Bill Brasky was a son of a bitch. <laughs> um, okay, so I, let me let me start out this like um, this episode. Do you remember the the TV ver- TV episode the the '60s version? Well, very no, very vaguely, very vaguely, very vaguely. I remember uh, it, it's black and white, and William Shatner's <laughs> in it. <laughs> and he's on an airplane. Yeah, it also has an exceptionally bad looking gremlin. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I remember that. I remember the Gremlin is uh, not as uh, not as good as this one. Nope, he's but, you l- know, he's a lot less juicy. Yeah, it's a, you know it's of the time, so you know absolutely. That was a show in the sixties. I, I actually I, went I, back and caught the highlights of the William Shatner one. Um, it's interesting. Like, so he's got Nick. Where did he go? Oh, there yeah, he is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The one thing that the the one thing that the original one has that's interesting compared to this is um William Shatner's character is married and he's coming back from um a a stay in a sanitarium after having like a massive like mental breakdown on an airplane six months previous. So So they're flying another airplane. (laughs) Basically, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Um, but he has a he has someone with him, he's not by himself. So that there's yeah. that whole thing that's different. Well, I was gonna say I remember them trying to get the 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 woman from uh, Nick of Time to play his wife in this one, and they couldn't do it for some reason. Oh, that's right. Yeah, does yeah. he hang out the window? Um, <laughs> no, Thirty thousand feet. Not that I remember. That's what I want to. He does. He does shoot a gun. He the, yeah, like so he does right? grab um someone's gun and shoot it out the window. And also, might I add, seeing people smoking on a plane, even in the eighties was so strange yeah yeah the funny thing is is this this shows you how old planes are or the parts they use i was on a plane i mean it's been a, a few years since i last flew but there a lot of planes still have ashtrays you can't smoke on them obviously but they still have ashtrays in the arms it makes me wonder how fucking old is this plane <laughs> <laughs> um but, but yeah so this episode or this segment basically opens up with a very bombastic Jerry Goldsmith score and very much uh, the very sweaty John Lithgow freaking the fuck out on the plane. He's, he's literally just like in this, in the uh, lavatory, just like having a panic attack. And he's never, that, that is its only kind of downfall is you're never really sure why he's having this panic attack. He just has it. So it kind of questions like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, I, I know he has problem with flights, maybe, but it doesn't get a full explanation of like who this character is. I know they had to do it in like fifteen minutes or whatever, but it's it's just really weird. Like the stuff that George Miller does with like camera work and stuff like that. With like the, I don't know what the what the specific camera thing he's doing, but they like they how they like distort the image with his character and stuff like that, making well, it, it real. Like, this thing goes in and yeah, out. Yeah, it's yeah. very it's, yeah. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable and give you it's a bit claustrophobic. Of yeah, right. <laughs> I and always, there's a I, lot of POV cam. Like you gotta get yeah. a POV cam type of a feel. Well, I always, I never really questioned what his d- deal was. I, I felt like it was 
or maybe that was just maybe I just picked up on it. I don't know, but I always I remember always understanding that. Oh yeah, he's just freaked out about being on plane, mm-hmm. and maybe it was because I know in the eighties that was much more of a. Nowadays, I think it's a lot more common. It was common then, but there was a lot of fear of flying back then, like a lot. Mm-hmm. People were afraid somebody was going to have a bomb or it was going to crash or something like that. That was always everybody's big fear. Not that people don't fear of that now, but I mean, it was just a lot more back then. And so upon seeing this originally, I remember I, I never questioned it. I was always like, yeah, he's freaking mm-hmm. out because he's flying. Yeah, it it's um, there was a famous terrorist flight in the 80s that was like i think it was caught on camera or some shit that i think that was that locker was that the um the scotland like it if it it crashed in in scotland it was like a i think it was a pan am flight it was like you know it was like it was like in georgia anyways it was yeah it was a pan am flight that had maybe it was scotland i don't remember but yeah i could i did definitely see this because i know that was a huge thing that happened there Um, were a few bombs on planes yeah that time period so right um my my biggest question from the start is, and depending upon like what's causing him to freak out, um, because he talks about the statistics for so many different things, but why did he, if he knew that he was scared of planes, why did he get on a plane to start with? And I know that takes away oh. from the the episode, but because we needed an episode, right? Means... Exactly, and there lies the thing, but the yeah. script, the, the the story said so. Yeah, that's what it turns um, into. So, well, that's the question I have to you guys: is this segment feels more about a guy who's having a mental breakdown and having this like this idea of like being panicked on a flight? Do you think the gremlin's real? Because it's a story about a guy seeing a gremlin on a plane destroying the engines, kind of causing the plane to uh, yeah. crash. Do you think it's real, the gremlin? Well, given the end of the episode, yeah, yeah I exactly. I mean, it, I mean. I, I don't know. I always wondered if like the gremlin was real, but um, what do you guys think of like John Lithgow's performance in this? Like he's, he's a famous actor, famous like uh, theater actor. And of course, you know, been nominated for Oscars at this point. Like, what do you guys think about his character? And just like how he's handling it. That was great. Yeah. I did a great job. He was thoroughly freaked out. Yes. <laughs> and I think he played that like trying to, like trying to put a lid on his anxiety and then mm-hmm. failing time and time again. I would also add, and this is kind of a random aside, but you look at all the other people that are on this flight and yeah. like all of them are just like, I wouldn't want to deal with any of them. <laughs> You've got the annoying kid. You got the drugged mom, um, the weird old couple. Like, they're like all kinda... they, they take this woman's child and all she goes, is, oh, what's she do now? I'm like, Basically. somebody <laughs> just took your kid away. I, I love, I love how the airplane. I love when they bring it back to the sea and the old couple just goes like in third from the sun. They're like, like looking over the sea. They're like, they just, they just move back down. But yeah, that, that, this is as episode or this segment in a nutshell is basically them trying to calm down, keep this guy from causing total chaos on a plane. Cause you know, you sit on a plane and someone starts freaking out and you're in the middle of like 40,000 feet or 30,000 feet or 20,000 feet in the air. There's nowhere to go. So the guy, a person starts freaking out. Like, you know, people are going to freak out and they're going to be like, Oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? Um, that's why the uh, flight attendants are trying to calm him down. They're talking to the, the co-pilot. Yeah. So they're trying to calm him down. They're trying to give him sedatives. And this is when he decides he's going to look out the window, which, you know, if you're on a plane, <laughs> you don't want to be looking out the window during a storm. It's actually a good idea that they actually set this during the storm because it makes you, you can have the the practical monster be somewhat scary 
I can only imagine being on a day flight and looking out and seeing this gremlin, which is what I wouldn't call the, the greatest looking costume. I mean, it's no like 1960s uh, Twilight Zone gremlin, but it's it's pretty rough. Mm. For, yeah, you can tell they had to do they had to jaws it a little bit where they had to kind of keep it out of focus for the most part. But wouldn't you want cool. that? Yeah, wouldn't you want that though? Like you wouldn't want it to be seen. Like when we were talking about the invaders, the thing yeah. that that brought on that downfall regarded I know 1960s little hand puppets, but the yeah. thing that made it would have made it better would have been if it had kept in shadows and that worked here. No, I no, I, I know. I'm just. I'm just saying, like I the costume the isn't. Design. I thought it was cool, and uh, you're well, right. Yeah, it's it's it is a costume, and it's a cre- it's a man in a, a a suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought with the rain and the lighting and all that, I mean, they don't show it a whole lot. It's no. usually kind of shrouded in 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 uh, shadows, right. contrast, start contrasting light and stuff like that. I thought it, was, it scared the living shit out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no doubt. The the reason I say that is because. I think the I think why you know we've talked about this why Jaws works so well is you don't see the monster very well you see it very sporadically, and yeah. that's more horrifying than seeing the creature like you know as we said in the Invaders it looks like a you know the Michelin Man or some shit and here I think if it had been full bore outside of like when he sees it in the window, I, I think it would have been less effective. So having the th- having the rainstorm and stuff like that really works for it, and that's why. I think this, you know, the segment works, especially, you know, watching it now compared to when I was a kid, which I, you know, I was more scared of the Joe Dante segment, but he looks out there and of course the creature is destroying the plane. And the first time we see him, we see the creature, the gremlin gets struck by lightning, which is absolutely fucking terrifying because you see like <laughs> the plane engine exploding and the creature's like just yeah <laughs> there yeah there's a point where he's doing like dr strange love where he's riding the bomb but he's riding the engine and like he's destroying <laughs> the engine and shit it's fucking terrifying but um and then he's, i think he's messing with like the flaps at some point and that's that's when the plane starts like starts like, kind of jarring and stuff like that but i i gotta ask you know you know people are like you know as 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 these things do people look out the window and they don't see anything but you know, as a kind of work through of this episode or the segment, like, what do you guys think about that? Watching it now, do you think it's still just as frightening and scary, or do you think it's, you know, a little more cheesy and more cheeky than it used to be? Like, what do you guys think now of like the stuff that he's seeing, what's going on? And this is not even talking about like the, the like near the end, you know, about you know, fifteen minutes later. But like, what do you guys think about that kind of stuff? I think it definitely builds in your mind what you mm-hmm. kind of question what is. Like at that point, you're gonna go. Okay, he's he's taken pills when he was in the, you know, in the bathroom. What what are those? You know, was he the jittery that he's suffering? Is it because of what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is it because of what he the pill is he's taking? Because none of them seem to do anything. The sedatives don't do anything. Is he high on meth? I mean, we don't really know. I mean, he's pretty sweaty, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we don't Six really know. X. Like, yeah, we don't really know. Like at what level you know the gremlin on the wing is and until the the uh, pilot confirms that they had an engine blown by lightning we don't have that confirmation of that what he's seeing is things that are actually happening yeah i thought the creature was still effective um absolutely i I wasn't scared by it now as an Mm -hmm. adult but i definitely could see even like a kid nowadays looking at this and being like just the way that they moved it and everything and uh, 
I love practical effects. This was practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nowadays, it would be a CGI monster or something like that, and it just wouldn't hold the same weight. Well, yeah, you could have CGI that looks a lot more like, uh, I'm not going to say realistic, but more detailed and more emotive and things like that. There's something about it being a practical thing, a human being either in a costume or something, a thing that you could reach out and touch being there that just always adds more, just more everything to it. And that's what this was. And I thought that the design was cool. And like you said, it's really freaky when you see him like over there, you just kind of see a silhouette like riding this thing and getting struck by lightning and just like tearing shit off and all that. And, and like it'll look over at him every now and then. And it's like, oh, fuck, he sees me. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was pretty effective. Oh, actually, I didn't know this. Because of what happened with John Landis, George Miller was so repulsed by the entire scenario, he abandoned post-production of this segment. Wow. Yeah. And uh, mm. Joe Dante was actually a supervising editor on it. And um, interesting. Mm. I didn't know that. So, yeah, he probably he probably doesn't talk about the segment because of that incident. He probably like almost disowns it a little bit. But um, I mean, yeah, it, it's 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 pretty effective. The the gremlin's pretty effective, but like it's a little bit different in the cabin. You have this the guy the the heavy set guy who you find out is a sky marshal. You have the really annoying girl who, like I said, is in of course cloak and dagger. Um, she of course who has one like, of the take... best lines yeah. in the whole thing. <laughs> Where she says something on the the dude's like freaking out. And she's like, you used to be a nice man and now you're not. (laughs) Well, that's the also funny part is like, she's like berating him for smoking. And she has like, I'm assuming supposed to be an homage to the doll, maybe of like one of the episodes. And he puts the cigarette out after the, after the sky marshal looks at him. And then you go back to the little girl and now she's asleep. And she had a blanket. I was assuming there was some like, time dilation there or time change there Maybe, that we just yeah. didn't pick up on but you're right yeah it's like shows her she's like da, 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 and it shows him and it shows her and she's like knock the fuck out <laughs> right right and um you know you know the 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 flight attendants and the co-pilots are doing what they're doing they're trying to keep him calm so they can fly you know land this in the next 20 minutes and you know, as we see, the gremlin basically starts destroying the other engine, starts riding it like you know the the pilot and Doctor Strange love. And um, this is when uh, we get the uh, because the plane's starting to spiral out of control, the is starting to possibly crash. That's when the canisters, the you know Deus as Machina canisters appear. Um, and of course, the sky Sky Marshal has a gun, but he starts destroying easily destroying the window apparently there is no double pane window glass on this you know he's very very strong and able to destroy it pretty easily um he gets he gets tackled by the sky marshal and then he takes a gun by biting him and uh blows a hole into the window and does a you know decides he's going to (laughs) he gets pulled out of the window and uh has the handgun and starts shooting it at the uh gremlin and the gremlin, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. We're not having any of this. And bites the gun in half, which I thought was awesome. And then he points <laughs> the finger. He's like, no, 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 no. And then uh, he just kind of flies away like uh, Superman or something like that. And, you know, you get to see kind of, yeah, I think he has a tail or something like that. So <laughs> it, it makes me wonder if like he didn't want to fully uh, destroy the plane or maybe he did. He got stopped from doing it. And he realized like they're getting close to landing. So he's got to go off and destroy another plane or it, it's a really weird thing with the gremlin at the very end i don't know what they were aiming for but that's what gremlins do they just fuck shit up yeah yeah i would assume that it gets too far down maybe he can't survive or maybe Mm. like he's he's risk being seen 
I've done my work here. I fuck shit up. <laughs> I'm out. I mean, that's that's really what they do. Like in World War II, that's where the whole gremlin thing and gremlins in the engine yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they even talk about it in the gremlin movie, I think. Uh, but mm-hmm. like, it's just shit being fucked up. And that's what the, the, the mythical creatures, the gremlins, that's what they do is they just, there's no real rhyme or reason to it. They just fuck shit up just to well, fuck it up. He did nice. that. He did. <laughs> That's the question I have, though, about this 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 segment is the gremlin picked this particular plane with a character who was having a massive panic attack. who's was probably snorting cocaine and all kinds of their drugs. Was it just fate? Was it just a happenstance? Was it just circumstantial? Like, like it, it's really kind of interesting how the one plane with the, the craziest guy who's definitely going to blow out the pressurized cabin window with a gun is just the same plane that the gremlins on. It's just, I, I don't know if the gremlin like senses, like, you know, freaked out people and knows where to go. And I, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Cause it's really an interesting thing to think about. So it's like, we talk about how he hangs halfway out the window and gets caught by someone and how fucking dead he would be. Oh yeah. That would have yeah. sucked his body out into the fucking atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. Instead he just has ice on him or some, or no, he has like, like the fate when the the gremlin touches his face and it's just you know all of a sudden he has like i don't know if he has ice on him or goo or what he has on his face but there's no human being that could have held him inside (laughs) that cockpit or inside that uh that airplane well if you want to go from from what the trivia said he could possibly be in hell and this could just be an extension of hell yeah that's true i mean maybe he's his own personal hell maybe this didn't ever happen maybe it's all a fantasy yeah maybe maze's shutter island for the twilight zone (laughs) Also, can I just say that those poor flight attendants, mm-hmm. they're like freaking teachers, like they're babysitters, like the amount of stuff that they had to put up with. They're not being paid enough. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, man. Have you seen the videos of like after the pandemic when people started flying again? The the, the stewardess or uh, flight attendants, whatever you want to call them, they're like the they're they're like teachers. Like you just said, now they're just constantly dealing with the fools and morons and idiots. And why would yeah. you want to do this? Like, oh, yeah, I spilled my drink somehow. Oh, it's right, okay, right. sir. We'll get you another. Just like, what the what the hell? But with that said, you know, this episode or this segment starts, it ends with, of course, Valentine's going, I saved him. I saved everyone. And of course, he's being taken away in a an ambulance to take him to be checked at the, the sane asylum or the whatever. And um, he he gets put in. And uh, I, I swear, I thought the uh, mechanic that comes up was smoking a cigarette, but I think it was a, the flashlight he put in his mouth. But I could have sworn it was uh, a cigarette. Um, oh, apparently one of the passengers is Carol Serling, so I'm assuming it's like his daughter, wife, or something like that. Well, answering, answering it, eh, and Serling is his. Oh daughter, yeah. So but she probably, probably would have been wife. that old at that point. No. I mean, uh, make. I don't know what year she's born. Sweet. She wouldn't have been an adult, I doubt. Oh, it is Carol. Uh, Carol, his wife is in the is one of the passengers in the plane, so that's kind of oh. cool. That is cool. Yeah, I was just reading that. Um, nice. But yeah, yeah, I thought the mechanic was like he just puts. A, I thought he put a cigarette in his mouth as he's walking up the steps. I'm like, that's uh, really not something you should be doing as a mechanic when you when you're trying to investigate a plane that was having issues. As we see, the plane's all fucked up. The the engines all destroyed. They're like they're all looking like you know what the fuck is going on, <laughs> you know? Because all they thought made the engine kind of went out because of lightning strike. You know, there would be massive multi hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage from a lightning strike but i mean yeah 
Yeah, so that's a that's a that's a <laughs> yeah. Twilight Zone ending right there. That's a you know, holy shit. I guess sure, maybe he was right. You know, but it's uh, not the only ending. Nope. It no, it gets yeah. better. Yep. <laughs> but wait, there's, there's, there's more. There's more. <laughs> it gets um, better. <laughs> but but that that leads into why we talked about the prologue at the very end. He's uh, we see John Lithgow's character Valentine in the plane. And of course, the little curtain because you know the eighties uh, ambulances in, in the ambulance in the ambulance. You said in yeah. the plane. Oh well, yeah. I'm sorry. In, in the ambulance. <laughs> Get to the chopper. It's, it's in a plane. It's ambulance. Whatever it is. Uh, no, okay. Uh, in the ambulance with the curtain. Apparently, they had curtains in the eighties ambulances stuff like that. Uh, we see. They also uh, had shag carpeting. True. In the ambulance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, so Dan Aykroyd's in there, which makes me wonder, like, what is Dan Aykroyd in this in this particular series, like in this movie? Is he like, I don't know. He's I, I don't know. It, yeah, he's the actual gremlin. He's he's the, like the the Twilight Zone himself. Uh, but he's like uh, he's talking to John Lithgow's character, and then all of a sudden CCR plays, and Tom uh, John Lithgow goes, "Man, I love me some CCR," and that's when uh, Dan Aykroyd goes, "You want to see something really scary?" And uh, yeah, Rob certainly starts <laughs> yep. talking. He gets his opening narration, and uh, that's the end of the movie and the end of the segment. So um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, like I said, it's not a long segment. It lasts like fifteen to twenty minutes. You know, typical Twilight Zone episode. But uh, what do you guys think overall of the segment? Like, what do you guys think of it? It's pretty well put together. The the I mean, it doesn't stop. It's got good pacing. Um, it pays homage to the the Twilight Zone episode while still kind of um going on its own path, which kind of was a prerequisite for any of these um segments. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I it was it, it it was nice that it connected to um the wraparound, which was cool. Mm-hmm. So good, yeah, good reach no around. Good Very good reach around. Um, Enjoyed the the Gremlins design. So John Lithgow kicked ass. I thought it was good. This is the my like I said. This is my second favorite of the uh, movie that I remember, and I thought this was. I also mentioned I thought this was like the most iconic one out of all of them in the movie. And uh, from what I remember about the episode that it's paying homage to, I think it did a pretty good job. From what I remember, I don't granted I don't remember a whole lot about it, uh, but pretty much I just echo everything Triff said. I, th- I think it was really good, and it. The creature design was cool, and um, I know you didn't love it, Nick, but I thought it was very effective, and <laughs> John Lithgow was good, and mm-hmm. everybody else played their part. I, th- I mean, it, it, it had a snappy uh, uh, pace, and it never lulled, and it just told its story, got in and got out. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I find it it's very interesting to see, like we talked about, it feels very not George Miller, to be fairly honest. It doesn't feel like a George Miller thing. It feels very different than what the other directors are known for. Like I said, it's a good life feels very Joe Dante Spielberg feels very, you know, the very kick the can style. It feels very like that. And of course, John Land is killing people. Um, <laughs> with, with, with that said, um, yeah, I, I find it. I find it good. I find it very, uh, very close to the original the episode, the original series episode. It feels like it pays the homage properly and does a nice job. And you know, having John Lithgow really helps you. So I really, I really appreciate it for doing that. In all, in all honesty of this episode, it's, it's good. Or the segment it's fun. It's entertaining. It shows the, you know, like I said, like I was saying earlier, it doesn't feel like George Miller, but it definitely is George Miller because he definitely knows how to ramp up the tension when it works. And, um, you know, now that we've seen this segment, like 
where I guess because Jacob, you haven't seen it for a while. Mm-hmm. You said you would rank this like one of the top two of the of the of the whole entire movie. Yeah, <laughs> out of the four. Um, yeah, out of four. <laughs> I mean, we can rank this. This is not for the, chance the to dream. List. I don't. Oh, we, I, we don't have a Twilight Zone list. We don't have a Twilight Zone <laughs> list for this. So yay. Uh, well, from what I from what I remember of these, I like I haven't watched these in a while either. Mm-hmm. I remember them vividly, but I mean, from what I do remember, it's been a while. Looking at them from a critical standpoint, yeah, I, I recall this one being probably my second favorite. Um, mm-hmm. I still, I've always kind of said that the one with the kid and uh, putting people through purgatory or whatever he's doing is my favorite. But I mean, that was years ago. I don't know. I might watch it now and be like, yeah, this doesn't work. I don't know. But I know Kick the Can is my least favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Which is Steven Spielberg. That's fucking crazy. I love Steven Spielberg, but yeah, that they didn't do it there. Not in this case. Not that I remember. I remember that being my least favorite, which was not part of the question at all. <laughs> uh no, but what about you, Trip? Hmm. Yeah, I think this was probably the the thing about like the kid one, I enjoyed it, but it went it felt a little long to me. And I guess being that it was I mean, it was the the kid that wishes everybody into the cornfield, essentially. It was a different take on that. And it was very well done. Like, you had that crazy Joe Dante energy, and it had a lot of good stuff. I I don't know if I'd rank... I'm kind of with you, though. Between that one and this one were probably, like, my two go-tos. The the one where people die, it's like, "Eh, yeah, that's bottom of the list. And Kick the Can was... It had a sweet message. It's mm-hmm. very tr- it's very traditional Twilight Zone, I think. Like, of all the ones that we saw, I think that one sits in cl- closest to, like, what a traditional Twilight Zone episode would be. But yeah, I'd mm-hmm. say, like, you know, neck and neck, if not, you know, thereabouts, if this one might edge out a little bit on the Joe Dante one, um, just edge. because it, it didn't... Yes, I did say edge. <laughs> Joe Dante's edging. Yes. George Miller's edging. George Miller is edging it. Well, actually, Joe Dante is edging on George Miller. You know, I'm gonna God. I'm gonna have a hot take. I'm gonna have a hot take here real Go quick. Go for I'm it. Gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you real quick. I'm just stepping here and I'm gonna say that this is number one, the best segment out of this movie <laughs> that I've watched recently. <laughs> Man, that is the hottest of hot takes. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a hotter stance than that. I'm gonna say that the three minute ending is the best segment of this whole thing. Um, I'm gonna make it even hotter. I'm gonna say this is uh, at least the top four segment of the. Yeah, at least this is the top. This this is the top. Or in the bottom four. Yeah, this is Uh, the top segment. (laughs) This is the top segment directed by George Miller. Mm. absolutely mm. absolutely i'll say yeah my number one for sure yeah i know this is the best this is the best uh twilight zone segment i've ever seen john lithgow do so i mean <laughs> it's definitely the best one in the plane in the movie that's for sure yeah of the ones involving cartoon dragons this is not one of them no no it's not exactly no. And you know the the in episodes that you rank with scatman Crothers, this is definitely the worst <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, of the ones that are similar to Perchance to Dream, 
This is not this one is of them. them. <laughs> 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 you guys always got to bring that shit up. Look, yes, I want I this at number. I want this at number twelve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think if you have above the actually I think right now if you have above the top fifteen I think you're good. Yeah, it's somewhere right around right there. Yeah. It's like fourteen or fifteen or something. So mm-hmm. yeah, so no, uh, number sixteen is uh, the Twilight Zone movie. If it's not under 15, I don't want to put it in the ranking. Fair. <laughs> oh, no man, we're skipping a lot of Twilight Zone episodes, <laughs> <laughs> especially season four. Um, Oof, no loss yeah. there, right? I mean, right. there is loss because there's some good episodes there. But... I I do not remember like this massive drop in quality from Twilight Zone. Maybe I watched them out of order. I don't know. I did watch. It's not them all. all of them. It's just there. There are certain ones in season four because they that had to fill an hour. hour long. Yeah. yeah, because they had to fill an hour. Like what was a snappy half an hour episode was a bloated, purple, nurple, yeah. ugly, orange skin. You know, green Ooh. toenail. Oh, okay. Fungusy. Yeah bad oh. awful oh smells like onions on a bad tuesday type but not of bad huh but, but, yeah. not, but not really that bad she said <laughs> let's um, just say this <laughs> number 15 or lower episodes <laughs> quite descriptive um yes. oh dead yeah, that's looking forward to season four <laughs> not all season four is like that there is some good stuff in season four like I mean, there isn't everyone but if it makes are... you feel any better jezebel will probably be above pan for chance to dream Oh really? Really? I've heard. I've heard. Really? See, I think, is Jezebel really? your chance to dream, Triv? Yes, it is. I hate that I, episode I, with I, a flaming passion. You know, and and I know that Nick's perchance to dream is sixteen millimeter shrine. The only difference is, is it's not your perchance to dream because it's near the fucking bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and Jezebel hasn't come about yet, so you know. Mm. Oh man, I actually didn't realize Richard Donner actually directed the Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet episode. That's interesting. The the original one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. So we gotta blame him for. So we gotta blame him for uh, the creature effects. Well, it was the sixties. Eh. Everything looked like that. Did you see Star Trek? Like the Klingons didn't even have head things. They were just you know weird looking Vulcans. Yeah. And pointy um, ears, and that's it. I mean, I mean, clearly uh, Leonard Nimoy hadn't. You know, ripped his uh, ripped his uh, cloak that he wears to wear as a bandana, and uh, <laughs> as he's as they're looking for whales. Nanu, mm-hmm. nanu, bitches. <laughs> Anyways, Same so thing. with that, <laughs> so so with that said, that is going to kind of end the episode. There is no real rankings because this is a offshoot of you know the the actual thing that we do in real real life you know the the fifth dimension so this isn't real life people this, this is, is like five zone. this is like 5.5 5 yeah dimension. exactly yeah yeah we yeah. could say we could say where would we rank it uh where would you rank it we know where he'd rank it <laughs> top 15 baby <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have the other ones in front of me, but I, I would say this is a this one was on up there. I mean, especially when comparing it to the original Twilight Zone episodes. I mean, the story's good. I think the original story was good too. That's why they picked it for the movie. Mm-hmm. But the effects, and you know, of course, it looks better than the '60s show. I mean, it's twenty years later, so uh, or more than twenty years now, actually. So I mean, I, 
it'd probably be in top 10 if this was just a, an episode that somehow made it into the original Twilight Zone just as it is. I'd probably put it in the top 10. You know where I would put this? What's in there. I, I would put this right above the monsters are doing Maple Street. Mm. So anyways, with that said... <laughs> <laughs> With that said, uh, Eye of the Beholder is now number 55. Uh, Damn. Do um, I don't even think that we means the Invaders in. is number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, yeah, we're not really, we're, we're joking around. We're not actually ranking this because there's no point. There's only four episodes, four segments, and they're all have their own weirdness to it. But um, yeah, I think that's going to do it. I think that'll be our, you know, you know, talk of, of course, the, fourth segment in the twilight zone movie uh we'll get to the other segments eventually at some point down the line maybe like christmas or something uh but yeah with that said that is our look at the prologue in the segment four which is directed by george miller of the twilight zone the movie and uh triv you uh you like to inject yourself out into you know cabin cabin cabinized pressurized cabin windows and stuff like that really went <laughs> way westward and backwards i wasn't sure where this and... was going i was kind of <laughs> no i was saying myself. like she yeah she was like I, you like to do like break down windows and barriers and you know jump I out like pressurized to shoot windows, out windows. So. i like to shoot out pressurized cabins and and yeah. fly out windows uh, yeah okay. to get your content out there to the people where oh, yeah. <laughs> that's where i was going well, with it uh, uh for... gotcha gotcha yeah, for yeah, more, yeah. For more horror-based <laughs> content that doesn't necessarily involve gremlins and or men that uh, to get too much into stats, you can find uh, on my channel, which is Trivial Theater. Do a wide array of random, obscure, and straight-up bad movies. You can also see me on um, Twitter at Trivial Theater. Trivial Heater. Yes, Trivial Heater. Heater. Yes. Well, you know, with the thing that I'm working on that's actually dropping today as well... Um, they call me trivial titter because I'm because my my avatar has quite large tits. There you go. Right on. Like, yep, yep, yep. And uh, Jacob, as you nod your head and, you know, you're the one that you come in and you destroy our podcast like an engine of a plane and uh, you do things <laughs> like a gremlin. Do th- yeah, like a gremlin. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, where can they find your content at? Find my content at Jacob Andrews Reviews on YouTube, where I do a twice-weekly show, Tweekly, the Almost Awesome Show, where I talk about news and entertainment and stuff like that and do reviews sometimes. It's every uh, Tuesday and Friday as of right now at 2 o'clock Central Time. I also do other standalone reviews here or there. Um, Got quite a few. uh, By the time this airs, they would have already been up quite a bit, so I'm sure I've got some other ones, some really awesome content. I'm pretty sure I just released something the other day. that was some of my best work. You should go check it out. Give it a million views. It's it's some good shit. Um, it's, uh, it touched me in places I haven't been touched <laughs> since I was a child. So uh, check that it. out. <laughs> what was that? Oh, I was going to say it. It touched me in ways that made me feel like a virgin touched for the very first time. Like a virgin mm-hmm. with a heartbeat. Like a virgin. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah me too. Yep. Yep. I, I laughed. I clapped. I hurled. <laughs> i haven't been caressed that way since my parents dropped me off with my neighbor when i was five years old for the day and wow hey billy do you like do you like stories about gladiators <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to a turkish have you ever been to a turkish bathhouse <laughs> sir i believe he's gone from suck to blow <laughs> Uh, somebody did but and this man and this guy is large 
anyways, oh. uh, <laughs> with that said, I am at Movie Emporium. That's where all our content is at, or where all this content is at, where all the videos post. Um, you know, I have things like Jacob said. I have things that people watch and may may have things to say about you know that type of thing but um because this is posting halloween once again i am going to be taking a hiatus break i'll make a, a post about this on my channel uh but just so you know we we won't be back for a, a few weeks so we can rest and get ready for static which is the next episode uh, which is another videotaped episode but um other than that, you can also find us on audio feeds like uh, uh, Arrakis uh, Radio and Anchor and um, Jason Voorhees takes Manhattan <laughs> and uh, yeah Uranus and um, what iTunes and SoundCloud and Google Play and um, Cats and I don't know Mass Hysteria. You know that you know how this works. But anyways, if you listen to us on audio feeds, definitely uh, give us some star ratings and comments. So, but without further ado, for myself, trivia. <laughs> trivia. What? Trivia. Uh, trivia, trivia time. <laughs> wow. So, uh, Are you that, seeing in... another trivial avatar behind my back? You um, bastard. No. Living wink, room. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Yeah, that's going in the. Uh, that's going at the end of this episode. But no, for myself, Triv and Jacob, uh, we'll see you guys next time in the Twilight Zone. He's out, motherfuckers. Wee. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>